2: Welcome, and thank you for joining me again this week. I have some thoughts to share with you during this first part of our show, and then we'll have the joy of visiting with Susie Humphreys. I have to begin by following doctor's orders. After the show last week, my guest, Dr. Bernie Siegel, wanted to continue our conversation. He loved that I ended the show by saying, you are loved. He said, that says it all. And you must share this Harvard study with your listeners. So here I'm doing that now. The students were asked, do your parents love you? By middle age of those who said no, 98% had a major medical problem. Of those who said yes, my parents love me, only 25% had a major medical problem. The power of love. He went on to say, tell your listeners to call you their CM, their chosen mom, just like one of my patients called me her CD, her chosen dad. So for those of you who need or want a CM, here I am. (laughs) And this is a good introduction to the, the question that came in at the end of last week's show. Dr. Paula, I'm enjoying your radio program. Could Dr. Siegel address the question of fear and sickness and in healing and how one might combat the negative emotions around fear? How can we talk ourselves out of fear? Thanks. Myrna Besley from Colorado. I want to put this question into a larger context. 90% of all of us have negative self that is I'm sorry let me say 90% of our self talk of all of us whether we're sick or not 90% of our self talk is negative and we spend 1 to 8 hours a day worrying yet only 8% of what we worry about actually happens fear is an illusion we make it up. It's really the absence of love. So the flip side of this question is, how do we create more positivity, more joy, more happiness in our lives? Bernie says, fill up with positivity. So there's no room for the fear. This question is extremely important because the fear and negativity, negative emotions actually depress the immune system and work against the patient's healing. Although we didn't have time to answer this question last week, I can tell you what Bernie says in his book, The Art of Healing, and that is we can actually laugh away the fear You cannot experience fear while you are laughing. Try it. Try smiling and being angry or afraid. It's impossible. Norman Cousins wrote Anatomy of an Illness in 1979 where he described overcoming a life-threatening form of arthritis by developing his own laugh therapy. As Bernie says, you can even practice laughing for no reason. Your body will experience the benefits and boost your immune system. Laughter yoga is another way to experience this, as is watching funny movies, listening to funny jokes. Cultivate a sense of humor, and it is the best way to combat fear and to help yourself heal. There are other ways too. Some people give their fears to God through prayer. I've even seen little God boxes in stores. People write out their fears, put them in the box, and let God take care of it. Uplifting music is another effective technique. Music affects our brain waves and can cause us to experience different emotions. If we fill our environment with music that makes us feel happy, it dissipates the fear. In fact, our show next week is about the healing power of music, so be sure to tune in. Gratitude is a powerful way to combat fear and negativity. Keeping a gratitude journal helps us change our outlook we begin to look for the positive things in our lives and make a point of paying attention to them. Often we take the good things in our life for granted and only focus on what we don't have that we wish we did or what isn't working out the way we want it to. When we make a conscious effort to think about what's good in our lives, it can change our whole focus and change our lives. We begin to send healing, positive energy to ourselves. As we've talked about on this program before, our thoughts affect ourselves. It's always important to send good good energy to our body. But when we're sick, it's paramount because it helps us heal. And at the very least, enjoy whatever time we have left. Which is true for all of us because none of us know what the next minute or hour or day will bring. I also encourage people to cleanse their environment of negativity. Think about whether you're uplifted or brought down by the visual images, words, and people that you allow into your mind, your space, and your life. Who and what makes you feel good? How many murders and scenes of destruction do you have to watch a day? Do you have to start and end your day with these distressing images on the news? Yes, we need to be informed, but sometimes too much information is harmful. We can learn to protect ourselves and say no to what we don't want in our lives. Then we make room for what we do want, health and happiness. One minister started a project that encouraged people to wear a rubber band bracelet that says, no more complaints. Every time you complain, you were to switch the bracelet to the other wrist to remind yourself not to do it again. The goal was to keep the bracelet on the same wrist for 21 consecutive days, the length of time it takes to change a habit. The people who followed this experiment and stopped complaining reported being happier and more relaxed. Yes, negative thinking, complaining, fear is a habit, and we can change that habit. When you hear yourself saying or thinking something negative, you have the power to change it. You can immediately replace it with a positive. For instance, in response to how are you, instead of saying I have a bad headache, think of something good in your life and share it. For instance, my granddaughter visited me today or the nurse said the funniest thing to me. Want to hear it? This shifts your thoughts and your feelings to the positive and causes you to create a snowball effect of more positivity. Sometimes the pain even goes away when we forget about it. And people want to be with us. They want to be with uplifted, uplifting experiences and people. So can we talk ourselves out of fear? Yes, I believe we can. And part of it is having honest conversations with the people who matter to us. Bernie says you can begin these conversations with questions like What are you thinking? What are you feeling? I also think it's important to determine what the basis of the fear is. Is it leaving behind loved ones, the side effects of treatment, not being able to complete some task or fulfill a dream, losing control of your life, being helpless? Or is it a fear of dying or dying with unresolved relationships? Once the fear is articulated, we can do something about it to resolve it or make peace with it. Taking action causes the fear to dissipate. Mark Twain said, the only way around it is through it. When we keep things hidden, they wreak havoc. If we're willing to have open and honest discussions with our loved ones, clergy, and doctors, the fear becomes weaker and often disappears completely. In the last years of my mother's life, I went to visit her with the specific purpose of finding out her wishes for the end of her life. I come from a family that didn't talk about feelings and especially death and dying. It took me days and long walks with her at night by the water to get her to tell me what her fears and her desires were, details she didn't want to face, but my sister and I wanted to respect her wishes, and we couldn't do that without this critical information from her. So it gave us peace of mind and calmed our fears, and I hope my mother's as well. Things were different when my dad was dying 35 years ago. I begged my mother and her doctor to let us talk about his dying. He was in the IC unit for weeks, and it was clear he was never going home. We all knew he was dying, but 35 years ago, nobody would talk about death and dying, at least not in my family, and that was the doctor's prescription as well. Just pretend everything is wonderful. Well, finally, on the last day of his life, my father said to me, and in the ICU unit in those days, you had three or four minutes for each family member every half an hour hour so it was very limited and i was sharing time in a revolution in in a cycle with everyone in the family so when my father said to me literally on his deathbed i was a good father wasn't i i just sat there in silence i thought how do i answer this question When he had been a rageaholic and I had lived with his anger and the fear that it induced in me and my always walking on eggshells because I never knew when the next bomb was going to drop, I was stunned into silence gratefully because then he said, I was a good provider, wasn't I? And he gave me the way out. He was dealing with, His definition of a good father, not my definition. And I did answer his question truthfully. Yes, you were a good father. By his definition, he was. And so he was able to have peace at the end of his life around that issue. It wasn't the time for me to engage in a long conversation. But at least he was able to resolve what he was dealing with. And he did die that night. Bernie talks about how he has people create drawings to discover their hidden fears and beliefs. He then interprets these pictures to help them dissipate those fears and create harmony between the conscious and the unconscious. I use a similar process with my clients. In fact, one cancer survivor said that she wished she had known my technique when she was waiting for her chemo treatments. So it's important for people to deal with the conscious fears as well as the unconscious fears. And we need to have ways to get to those fears that allow them to surface so that we can deal with them. Another technique that some people like to use is to perform a ritual to banish their fears. A common one is to write your fears down, tear them up and throw them away. An alternative is to burn them and spread the ashes in your garden to symbolically fertilize your dreams. I like to ask that the fears be transformed into peace, love and joy as I'm sprinkling them in my garden. Circling back to where we began with the truth that laughter is the best medicine. If you're dealing with an illness, tell people you want help getting better. Ask them to send you funny stories, movies, jokes. Not only will you feel better and help yourself heal, you'll be helping them feel good too because they'll be focusing on what makes them laugh and uh, what makes them laugh and so laughter spreads good feelings spread and we make lemonade out of lemons speaking of laughter i'm really excited to introduce susie humphreys who will join us in a few minutes She went from administrative secretary to television talk show host to 20 years in radio. She's in the Speaker Hall of Fame and the Texas Radio Hall of Fame. Susie has hobnobbed with movie stars and politicians. She's made hundreds of commercials, done musical comedy and motion pictures. She has been fired, broke, disappointed, a petrified expectant mother at 40 years of age, a breast cancer survivor, and has lived her life with a passion for learning not only how to be better, but to see things differently. Her book, If All Else Fails, Laugh, shows us how to do just that. If you have any questions for Susie or me, please call us at 866-472-5795 or send an email to Dr. Paula Joyce at gmail.com. If you're enjoying the show, be sure to like us on Facebook. We'll be back with Susie right after the break.
0: The Voice America Seventh Wave Channel Seek Greater Awareness. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension
3: On the program Inside Out, our outsides match our insides. Join host Beth Green along with co-host James Maynard for an insightful weekly journey that lets us all be real with no boundaries. We'll discuss current events, interview amazing guests, challenge old ideas, and see ourselves and our world more clearly. It's about you as much as us. So you're invited to call in, write in, and most of all, tune in. Listen for Inside Out, live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
1: Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? If you're searching for the answers to these and other spiritual questions, you can look within. And you can tune into The Open Door. Our program will expand your awareness of the teachings of the Ascended Masters, offer you practical tools that promote self-mastery and personal freedom, and provide an unerring pathway for graduating from Earth Schoolroom. The Open Door with host Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy is broadcast live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You may also send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. That's drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. Now back to uplift your life, nourishment of the spirit. And we're here with Susie Humphreys, which
2: just makes me so happy. It just having her on the show and and the opportunity to talk with her because years ago I was one of those avid listeners when she would banter with Ron Chapman and it it, it from the, the helicopter I didn't care about the traffic I just wanted to hear her laughter and her funny take on things so welcome Susie. Thank you Dr. Paula. I'm loving
4: listening to you. And you know what it brings to my mind it brings to me all those wonderful hours of listening to Dr. Joyce Brothers.
2: Oh. <laughs> yes, thank you. That's I mean, 100. Right? What a comparison. No,
4: it's really true. That's exactly I just think oh my gosh we found the replacement for her because, you know, she just went for years and years and years and she knew so much about everything. So welcome to this. I think it's great you're doing it. You just have a beautiful spirit. And so you you want me to be
2: funny this morning? <laughs> yes, I do. And I know that part of your gift is taking... Difficult situations and finding the humor in them. And I loved your, the stories in your book. And one of them was particularly ab- about your mom and when she was dying and, and how you were able to shift your perspective when you were seeing her in one way. You couldn't see the beauty that you had gotten from her and how that shift transformed everything.
4: Yes, I'll, I'll tell you and I'll just kind of laser this, but if mother was, uh, my, own, my, my mother and father were divorced and my mother raised me and my mother was a very successful businesswoman and this is in the forties. And so I was a latchkey kid and pretty much didn't have babysitters. She worked. I got myself off to school. It was kind of a different time back then because kids could walk to school and do all the things that we used to be able to do, but. I adored my mother, and then I hit 14, and something began to separate us, and it was difficult for me to ever get that adoration and that joy from my mother, and it followed me clear up into my 60s. So my mother and I had a tumultuous relationship, but my mother, on one hand, as I was little, was bigger than life to me, and she had a sparkling voice and laughed and she was musical and then as she began to age she went through all her money she didn't have any help and I stepped up to the plate and took care of my mother well my mother used to say that if she liked blue I'd like red my mother used to say you take the opposite of anything I ever say and so we'd hang up on each other. We wouldn't see each other for two months, and I would always come sniveling back because I would feel so guilty being not with my mother. It was a push-pull relationship. Are you following me so far? Oh,
2: yes, I okay. am. <laughs> so
4: now my mother, is in her, she's in her 70s, and we moved to Fredericksburg, Texas, and I move her with me, and I go see her. But I can't take but about 20 minutes of her and so i'd always figure out a reason to cut and run i would do my duty and that's how i looked at it i would do my duty but i would not be able to to really love her the way that i so yearned to love her all right she is in a nursing home and she's very funny she doesn't complain she can't see she can't hear she hallucinated and she knew she was hallucinating and so she asked me if I would help her prove that it was a hallucination and I said I would. So then she says, well, you know, I went to the bank and I said, no, now see, mother, that's a hallucination. You don't, you don't have a bank. And she went, yes, I do have a bank and I went to see Linda. I needed her to tell me how to invest my $18 million. <laughs> I said, that's a hallucination, Mother. You don't have squat. You don't have $18 million. She said, you're always messing with my mind. I said, I can prove you don't have $18 million. She said, no, you can't. I said, yes, I can. Mother, I'm your only heir. If you had $18 million, I'd be smothering you with that pillow right about now. (laughs) My (laughs) My mother looks at me in stunned silence. She said, are you telling me I don't have $18 million? I said, I am. She said, Suzanne, in five minutes you have come in and taken away all my wealth. And I never got to spend one dime of it. And then she said, but there's one good thing about it. Now I won't have to lie here worrying about you getting your hands on it. Oh, jeez. Do you hear how funny that is? I mean, she's dying, and she's flat on her back in a nursing home. So here's the thing. So the hospice, the chaplain, Annie Finn, says, Susie, have you resolved all your issues with your mother? I said, oh, my gosh, Ann, I think there's never been an unspoken word between us. I mean, (laughs) we've said everything. We've hung up. We've cried. But we've never gotten a divorce. She said, well, why don't you go release her? I went. What? Oh, what? I'm gonna. I'm gonna go release my mother. I, I went over. I didn't think about it. I didn't know what I was gonna say it. And Doctor Paula, guess what? Tumbled out. Mm. I took her little hand and I said, "Mom, I want you to know, you are exactly the mother I needed. Mm. And if you need to go be with God, I want you to know." that you've helped so many wonderful women have careers and, and live a life of good and be independent, and, and I want you to be at peace. And I'm, I'm standing there, tears streaming down my face, and one eye pops open on my mother. She said, Suzanne, we don't need to go into all that mess. I said, like I was stabbed in the heart. I said, well, mother, are you afraid to die? And she said, no, Suzanne, I'm not afraid to die. I just want, don't want to go today. <laughs>
3: sure.
4: And that was the end. Wow. So all those years of angst, of psychotherapy, all those years trying to deal with my mother were absolutely brought home in the last five minutes in that room when I realized that that little woman who on one hand could infuriate me and on the other hand could lift me through laughter and a good attitude, I realized she was exactly the mother I was supposed to have. And I'll tell you what, I think we can all get to that place if we look at what's right about somebody and not what's wrong.
2: I agree with you, and I think that's just so beautiful, and that you had that gift and the guidance from a wise clergy who helped you to open up that moment, because I think in the dying moments, there is that opportunity if we are able to take advantage of it and know to take advantage of it.
4: Well, we have to take advantage of everything. And one of the things we need to stop doing so much is to be completely self-absorbed in our own stuff. Mostly, we get up every day and think of, what am I going to do next? What am I, what I don't have, what I didn't get? And we keep playing that over and over in our mind, and that goes to where negativity comes in then we're negative, and you were talking about that earlier. And how you get positive is to get out of yourself and start thinking about other people and doing stuff for other people.
2: Yes, and I loved when, when we were on the phone um, earlier uh, last month, and you said, if the past was so bad, why do we keep revisiting it? Yeah, what do you want to go back there for and look at that stuff? But you know well. we, we're just
4: so self-absorbed. It's just pitiful. And we, th- I mean, I don't, I don't know how we get to that place, but I know it's a habit that can be easily broken. Number one, if you go back in your life and you look at all the trauma, and listen, I'm not saying people haven't had horrible lives and been mistreated and had bad things happen to him, But the other side of that coin, and there's always a flip side, is that the very things that happen to them help them learn compassion for others, help them if they use it to do something positive in their life. And look, my God, if I overcame all of that, I really am a survivor.
2: I agree with you a hundred percent and I'd even add a thriver because, yes, yes, because we can survive in awful circumstances Mm -hmm. and if we can move beyond that to a life of joy and positivity and wisdom, as you're describing, take the, the... bad things the awful things and just let them be experience that we learned from rather than carry the weight and heaviness of the judgment the negativity and
4: we are so we we are so hard on ourselves and so unloving toward ourselves we i, I don't know how we get there I don't know if it's something we learn somehow in our youth, but when we do that and we forget how really loved we really are and we focus on the good things about ourselves and how we look and look in the mirror and say, yeah, my nose isn't bad and I have pretty eyes. I mean, when we do that kind of thing, we, our self-confidence perks up, our self-assurance perks up, and we can go out and do something positive and be
2: positive in the doing. I agree with you. And the things that you're talking about remind me of the story that you told in your book of taking the other speaker um, from the National Speakers Association (laughs) around in the car. I'd love that story if you would share it with us because it's just so real.
4: (laughs) Okay, well, so I was a member of the National Speakers Association, I still am am a member. And so, you know, when you go to those national conventions and everything, and and, and you 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 because you, you get all the big shots on the stage and everybody's flying in in jet airplanes, and you're still buying a bus ticket to go to the next <laughs> town. <laughs> you come away from those conventions sometimes feeling like you're such a big failure and a flop. So anyway, there was this speaker one morning. I worked for KVIL radio, and I had this little yellow van. And I traveled the streets of Dallas-Fort Worth talking to my partner, the master of the airways in North Texas, Ron Chapman. And so people would buy uh, an occupancy in the van to ride with me. We donated to charity. And they'd spend $3,000 to spend two and a half hours driving around in Dallas with me on the radio. And so one morning I get into the van and this woman, two women get in and a sister bought the the. the the uh, ride and her sister gets in the back seat. And the back seat speaker, it, it, back seat sister is a speaker. So I'm driving and talking on the radio, and the back seat sister, who is the speaker, says, Huh, I get asked all the time for good speakers, and I just don't know any good female speakers. Jeez. Well, Oh, uh, I'm thinking. Well, I, I, I'm, I, I, I'm a female speaker. and and I go, oh, oh, and I noticed that when it was like to put down to me a slap in my face, so my belly sags, you know, my shoulders slump forward. I'm kind of stooping over the steering wheel, and then she said, "And my calendar is booked for all of next year. I don't have one, one date." And I thought, I got three dates next year, <laughs> and that's it. So more and more, I'm feeling like a flop, and this puts me in a spin. I mean, I am a spin, and I'm going down. So what happens for the next two weeks? I keep playing over in my mind all that negative that speaker said, and so I don't like myself. I let my roots grow out. I don't color my hair bright red like I usually do. My shoulders are stooped over. I'm not smiling. I'm not even funny. I am not even funny anymore. I'm a tragic person. <laughs> so one day, I get out of the van and I decide that the, what I need is a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> to make so I go to the 7 Eleven <laughs> store. Now, this is the truth. And I go in there to get a Butterfinger, a Snapple, and a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> And as I walked into the store, I looked to the left, and down behind the counter was a woman wearing an orange apron. She worked for 7-Eleven, and her name was Betty, and she was just standing there, smiling, just smiling. And it was like the voice, the voice in my mind said, dummy, that's what you need to be doing, smiling. Okay, at the instant the voice spoke to me, I got it. So I stood up straight, and I go over to her, and I say, Betty, and she went, yes. I said, I'm on radio. I'd like to put you on the radio and talk about smiling and a good attitude at work. And she said, I said, could I come back tomorrow morning and put you on the radio? She said, no, you can't, because that's the time i take out the trash.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> she was no more interested in being on the radio than she could fly. But she had given me a great lesson. And so here's the cap. Here's the cap. Two years later, I'm back at the National Speakers Convention in Palm Springs, and I run into the speaker that I I felt I compared myself to. And I said, I'd like to tell you a story and, and an impact that you had on me. So we met that afternoon, and I told her the story about how I felt I was such a failure because she was so successful. And do you know what she did? She started dying laughing. She said, when I left you, I did the same thing. I went home to my husband and told him what a big failure I was that I was with this radio, this woman who was on the radio. and was funny. And I felt like a failure, too. And the moral of that story is when we compare ourselves to others, if we're going to do it, why don't we compare ourselves to someone who has it worse than we do? because then it lets us know how blessed
2: we are. Uh, Yes, And, and the other thing I've also, in terms of comparison, is that I've learned to look at me and comparing me to who I used to be and how much I've grown and changed and how pleased I am with that rather than, putting myself down with not having accomplished or become, you know, what I hope to someday. It's sort of we're all on a continuum. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you.
4: That's a beautiful thing to do.
2: Yes, so it's it it has certainly helped me, and um, I we are about to go to break. But the, you have so many wonderful stories to tell. Do you have time to stay with us for the for some of the third part? Yes, I do. If I but listen, if I get too long-winded
4: and stuff like that, you know, you can always cut me off. You're the boss of this
2: show. Uh, you are too. Much of a gem to cut off. I am enjoying every second of it of you as I'm sure the audience is. So I appreciate that, but there's no need. Um, so I look forward to talking to you after the break. Okay, I'll be here. I'm gonna
4: get myself a cup of coffee. Okay. <laughs>
0: change the seventh wave channel on the voice america network
3: being outside the box is your thrival guide to living outside this reality are you always waiting for your ship to come in do problems happen to you what if you created your life rather than sitting by waiting do you live in the fantasies of this reality winning the lottery waiting for your prince princess to come even being healthy Do you always do what is expected of you rather than choosing for you? What if the rules didn't apply, and what if you could thrive from a different space? Join host Lynn Walder for tools to being outside the box. Listen Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on 7th Wave. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network.
0: Explore subconscious programs, belief systems, and past life memories that may be sabotaging your life. Join host Dorian Light on her show, All About You, as she helps you to shift change and heal your life. Each week, Dorian does a light session using psychic energetics and the language of light to energetically shift and clear negative patterns you have stored regarding that week's topics. Step into the realm of infinite possibilities for your life. All About You airs live Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on Seventh Wave. The Voice America Seventh Wave Channel.
1: Listening to Uplift Your Life Nourishment of the Spirit with Dr. Paula Joyce. To reach the show today, please call 1 472 5795. That's 1 472 5795. You may also send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. That's drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. Now, back to Uplift Your Life Nourishment of the Spirit. And here we are with
2: Susie Humphreys. And Susie, it's just so good to hear your take on life and your beautiful laughter. Um, I, I was wondering if you would share with us um, from a time when things looked like everything was going to, to pot, that, you know, you in your words, you were fired, divorced, and broke. Everything looked bleak, and mm. yet... You pulled yourself out, and I, will you tell us a little bit about that, please? Well, uh,
4: I I was on television, and I interviewed everybody under the sun, like John Wayne and Clint Eastwood, and all. I mean, I could name a bunch of famous people. So I thought I was something really. <laughs> I thought I was really something special. And I, after five years of that, I get fired, and I have no money because I never saved any money. And I was always broke, and I had no place to live. I had to give up my beautiful apartment. And I moved in with a man, 70 years old, who was my dear friend named Frank Harding. And Frank Harding took me in because I was literally homeless. And in the six months that I lived with Frank Harding, uh, he never one time ever said to me, when are you going to get a job? All he ever said was, what do you want for dinner? Now... Mm -hmm. The reason that I'm bringing that up is that after six months, I get this phone call from Ron Chapman at KVIL Radio to come do a guest spot in the KVIL helicopter. The long story is because of that horrible traffic report I did that morning that I was on the air, I got a full-time job with them because what happened was I didn't know where I was, and I told people, and it was funny. And I didn't mean to be funny, I was just stupid, but people <laughs> took it as funny, and so I forever got this 20-year-old, 20 year, 20 year job. Um, the time of the six months was, without a doubt, the best time of my life, and I'm going to tell you why. I had no job, no place to go, no friends, no one was expecting me. I met my future husband, Tom Mayo, who was also going through a divorce, and we became best friends and buddies. And I healed, and I'm going to tell you what healing means to me. I had years of broken-hearted of people that I fell in love with that dumped me. I mean, I had all kinds of problems. I was an emotional wreck, an emotional, I mean, I was a train wreck. And getting fired gave me a place to go, hide out, begin to heal, gather my faith back, because I had turned my back on my faith and God, because I thought, you know, the the world was what it was all about, not what's inside and not the lack of the Holy Spirit. So I get that back. I get that back. I calm down. I have have rock-bottomed out. And I didn't pull myself up. It was God that pulled me up. And God began to open doors. And those doors began to open when at the, my, the lowest point in my life, I cried to the dark ceiling in my room, Oh, God, please help me. Everything I do, I make such a mess of. Mm. And that changed my life. Now, look. I know that there are people out there that are going to listen to this and say, oh, no, here we go again, and maybe tune out. But I can only tell you from the bottom of my heart what happened to me. I was lifted out of that hole. And from that, I learned that the key to coming out of the darkness is with the power of saying yes, to all the things that began to open up for you yes is the key yes to the friendship yes to the job change yes to the new job you're afraid of i i i cannot tell you what that experience was to me and from that time after that within a year i'd married tom i had a baby at 40 years old i mean And I I can't tell you, I began to be a speaker because I had a message. And I don't hit you in the head about God and talk about that. But I'm telling you, just you and I, Dr. Paula, that that's what lifted me up.
2: I'm with you 100%. And what I felt as you were talking was in that moment of despair or darkness or rock bottom that you opened your heart to receive the bounty that was there for you waiting and then you were open to it and it started coming your way it did. and then the yes as you were saying you said yes to it and then more came <laughs> you know I'm mean, going to tell you something there was I
4: started reading quite a lot then and there was a minister named Eric Butterworth who wrote a book called Spiritual Economics and in that, he had a formula that I think really is, is what I, I believe with all my heart. It's called C plus B equal A. If you can conceive it in your mind, if you can believe it in your heart, you can achieve it in your life. And you know that saying that says, well, I'll believe it when I see it? Or is yes. it, I'll see it when I believe it? How does it go? I'll believe um, it when I see it.
2: Right. The real
4: thing is when you believe it, then you will see it.
2: Yes. Yes, I, I resonated with that when I read it. I And I'm so glad you mentioned it because I do think it's so powerful. And again, it's what we focus on. If we it focus is. on the negative, that's what we get. If we focus on conceiving, seeing, believing what we want, then it comes. It does come. It may not come in the
4: form you're expecting, but it will come in the form that you need.
2: Exactly. And that's where in, in <clears throat> one point in your book you talked about Looking, you know, in hindsight, you can see in the moment you can't necessarily see the gift of what's the gift of being fired, divorced and broke. And yet it was a tremendous gift to you in the end because of how you used it. It's the
4: best thing that ever happened to me. And I was 30, let's see, was I 38 or 39 years old? And up until that point, I had just been on a roller coaster ride. And after that point, I, I just, I just, I could love my mother more. I could love everybody more. I, could, I I got out of myself and this feeling that I was special. I mean, you know, we're either all special or none of us are special.
2: Yes, we we are all God's children. We are all here <laughs> doing our work. Anyway, I don't mean to be preachy here
4: because I know that you know. And I'm not saying that. Well, anyway, I just need to shut up.
2: No, no, no. So let's let's shift to um, to where you took. Um, Your cancer, and when when you were dealing with that in the midst of the treatments and all, and your friend called you, and you found the humor, share that with us. It's so
4: funny because my doctor
2: called me in December
4: of 2004, and she said, "Well, you do have breast cancer," and I went, "No, no, see, nah, uh, uh, they're too small. I can't." I cannot have breast cancer. They are too small. That is exactly what I thought. So, anyway, she said, well, we're going to do a core biopsy. She said, I don't think you have to have radiation or chemo, but let's just do a core biopsy. So I didn't know what a core biopsy was. you know, you go in and they, you know, you go into this cold room and lie down on this cold table that's got a hole in the table and you put your left breast in that and then the guy comes down on a little stool and he, he's looking up there at that breast and then they jab this big needle at you after they put your breast in a vise. And it just, it hurt like nothing I have ever had before I, in my whole life. I was not expecting this. So, I mean, oh, my, I didn't, I couldn't even breathe. It hurt so bad. So, after it was all over, while it was going on, rather, my cell phone rang. So, (laughs) I kind of, man, trembled, said to the doctor, I said, I don't suppose this is a good time to answer this phone call. (laughs) he (laughs) He said, no, I don't think it is. And I said, okay. All right, now here's what happened. While the pain was so intense, I started remembering how people can walk on beds of nails if they pass through that pain. You know what I'm saying? Uh Uh-huh. So what happened was I mentally accepted the pain, embraced the pain, and guess what? I didn't have any more pain. And I thought that was a miracle. I thought, okay, so when they were all through and we're sitting in there, and I'm dressed, I tell them about I passed through the pain. This is a miracle. I passed through the pain, and I said, now I'm gonna listen to that, to that voicemail. Here is my friend, my best friend, who says, "Susie, oh Susie, I feel terrible. You're having that horrible old core biopsy, and I know I would take that pain on." for you if I could because you are my sister and we are so close and I know that when you're through you'll probably be going to Neiman Marcus so I wondered (laughs) if while you're there you'd go to the Bobby Brown counter and pick me up a tube of lip gloss (laughs) by the way
0: (laughs) (laughs) as long as you're there
4: (laughs) (laughs) In the midst of all that turmoil and the technicians and the doctor, I put that voicemail on speakerphone, and we all had the best <laughs> laugh. And I'm going to tell you something. When you laugh, you are in the moment. You're not thinking of fear. You're not thinking of bad stuff. When you're laughing, your belly shakes, your are Your laughter goes down to your belly and all the way up to the top of your head and down to your toes. It is the healthiest thing you can do. And if you think there's nothing funny when you get up in the morning, go stand in front of the mirror naked. That'll get you laughing all the time.
2: Well, you know, the expression, leave them laughing. So I think this may be since we're almost out of time. All right, I'm gone. Take care of yourself. First, let me thank you so, so very much for your wisdom, your humor, and the beauty of who you are. Thank you for sharing your time. Thanks, and, Dr. Yourself. Paula, and listen, please, if anybody uh, is
4: interested, go to my website. At susiehumphreys.com. And if you let them
2: know that, I'd appreciate it. Or you can like me on Facebook. A- absolutely. And she's someone to like. So I hope you all do. Thank you so much. <laughs> Wishing you well. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. So what? What a delight to have um, Susie Humphreys on. Um, and just also for your information, we didn't. She didn't mention this, but I want you to know that she's currently on the broadcast on uh, KTXD Television Channel Forty Seven from nine to eleven a.m every other week so she'll be on next week not this week um and and every other week and she's a delight uh on uh television just as she is on radio so i'm very grateful that she was able to join us and i just wanted to um share with you that one other one of the things that um about humor is that some of us don't think that we have the ability to be humorous. In fact, I believe we all do. I think that our humor has gotten covered up with the weight of our fears and our worries and our anxiety so that we lose, lose touch with, not lose the ability, but we lose touch with our sense of humor because we're so focused on accomplishing and on what's not working. And so I encourage you to start allowing yourself to see things through a positive perspective, through humor. Start practicing, listen more to humor, um, watch humorous movies, read humorous plays, read humorous books, pay attention to what you find humorous, and then allow yourself to play with more humor. So at this point, I want to leave you with if you, as Susie said, if you like us, then please uh, like us on Facebook. Thank you for joining us. You are loved. And I look forward to talking to you next week.
1: Thank you for tuning in to Uplift Your Life Nourishment of the Spirit. Please join Dr. Paula Joyce and her guest experts next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Until then, have a positive week.